So this morning, we've got special guest speakers who are making their debuts. Uh, and they're going to come one at a time. And the content that we've given them is shelters orientated, but it's specifically, we wanted them to talk about Jesus, bridegroom, king, and judge. And so it's, ooh, <laughs> heavy. Um, so three children, three aspects of Jesus that they're going to share about. Um, and these guys have worked on it with their families, by themselves. Um, it's, it's been great. I've been receiving drafts in, in my inbox that I've been reading through and having a look at. Um, and it's really encouraging. And I do want to say, in the prayer room a few weeks ago, as part of the Sacred Assembly, I, I got up and I gave a talk about the forerunner calling. And one of the comments I made then um, about the forerunner calling, I said, what if everything that you are doing now is for the sake of the generation or two that comes behind you? Will you be satisfied with that? And I had someone feed back to me, and they heard me say that, and they almost cried because they thought, I'm not sure if I'm happy about that. But this is, this is core to this community, multi-generational. And you do need to be satisfied that if nothing else, the foundation that I'm laying now is for my children who come behind me and their friends and this New Life Kids generation, the New Life Youth guys. And you get to see some fruit of that now. You get to see the fruit of the work of the parents at home and, the, and what's been going on at New Life Kids and, and in different spaces. So this is, a, this is a great opportunity for you, New Life, to see because not all of you have children, or some of you have got children that have grown up and way past the, that age. And it's, it's excellent for you to see the next generation following in the footsteps. It's, it's fantastic for parents to be encouraged and exhorted by seeing fruit in other children. And going, it can. Because sometimes, I'm a parent, i got three kids, it gets crazy. Sometimes you're just like, how can I possibly train my children because I, I can barely get them to eat their breakfast. And then we have children who are going to come up here and they're going to share about the revelation that they've received as they've been studying the Word of God and thinking about this Jesus, Bridegroom, King and Judge. And it's not meant to be like... What it is, it is meant to be an encouragement for you. It may not be working for you right now, but persevere. Keep going, keep laboring, keep drawing them. Even if it's just five, ten seconds a day. Hey, let's pray as a family. Or if someone falls over and scrapes their knee, hey, we're going to pray right now, let's go. It's the little things over and over again that create the foundation and the, the fertile soil for the seeds of the gospel to be born in your children. So we're going to see some of the fruit of that this morning. So first up, talking about Jesus as judge, Judah Fox, come up here, buddy. He's had a haircut. He's looking handsome. He's very excited. All right. Put your notes up there. You're gonna, are you going to be all right to hold this microphone? Good. Good morning. My name is Judah Fox. I am eight years old, and I'm the eldest of four Fox children. This morning, I will be sharing with you about Jesus the Judge. However, before we get all serious and legalistic, here is a joke to lighten the mood. What did the judge say when the skunk walked into the courtroom? Who said that? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now on to Jesus the judge. Today, when we think of a judge, we probably think of a public officer appointed to decide cases in a law court. This can be a little bit scary to think about standing on your own in front of a judge. It's much more exciting to imagine dressing up in a judge's wig and cape and slamming the gavel down your desk to send your brother or sister to prison than to imagine your own day in court. However, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is way better than a regular judge because Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. In fact, Jesus as judge is an important part of the gospel, as it states in Acts 17, 30 and 31. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him, for he is set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he has proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Two of the clearest pictures of Jesus the judge are shown in the book of Revelation, my dad's favorite book. The first is Jesus riding forth on a white horse at the second coming. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and its title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure light, linen followed him on white horses from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron rod he will release the fierce wrath of god the almighty like juice flowing from a wine press on his robe at his thigh was written this title king of all kings and lord of all lords revelation 19:11-16. this picture of jesus might make you feel a little bit scared but always remember that verse 11 tells us that jesus judges fairly and wages a righteous war we can trust that Jesus will always make the right decision. The second picture is the final judgment. And I saw a great white throne in the one standing on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Revelation twenty eleven thirteen. This is also what 2 Corinthians 5, 10 states. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And again, it states it in Revelation twenty two twelve. I am coming soon and my reward is with me to give to each one according to what he has done. Because we will also face judgment, our goal should be to obey Jesus and follow his instructions so we can get all the rewards he wants to give us. Hands up if you like rewards. If you didn't put your hand up, then you are bonkers because these are going to be the best rewards ever. The main connection between Jesus as judge and the season of shelters is all about the presence. Literally, the presence of God among his people on the earth. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. Revelation 21.3 Then when Jesus is here with us, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Isaiah eleven three five. Personally, I'm looking forward to the rewards Jesus is going to bring and what Jesus will do when he judges the earth. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, sorrow or crying or pain. Revelation 21, 4. So, what are you looking forward to when Jesus returns as judge?
Thanks, Judah. I think, I think the big takeaway there is Jesus is just and righteous. And so the judge is not to be feared because he's coming in righteousness and justice. He's going to make the wrong things right. No more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. Ezra, Jesus is king. My name is Ezra. I am 10 years old. This morning I'll be sharing about Jesus is king. A king is someone with a lot of authority and highest power over a nation. In the Bible, a king's job was to make sure God's will was done and ex- was done. An example of a great king was David, who led Israel into victory by defeating the Philistines. When we know what a king is, and we know that Jesus is a king, we know that he shows faithfulness, he, was, he is loyal to his people, and does not leave them. It also shows us that he has a lot of power and to defeat every enemy in his path and shall rule over the nation of Israel and all the believers of Christ. Make sure that his people follow God's will and treat each other with respect and that they shall worship Jesus all the time. When Jesus is king, he will show compassion, gentleness and kindness. Jesus shall bring justice over the land. Psalm 72 verse 4 says, He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. This means he will, deli- he will welcome the poor and needy and put them in his family. He will deliver them from evil and there will be no war between the nations and peace will be eternal. No more evil things shall happen to children and their parents when Jesus is king. Jesus loves us and frees us from our sins to save us and to help us, to make us a kingdom of priests. He loves us, he loves his people so much that he died on the cross for us and went to hell for three days and rose back from the dead. He did this because he didn't want anyone in the world to be destroyed. Instead, he would want them to turn away from their sins. The Bible tells us that Jesus is king in Revelation 19 verse 16 which says, And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the Old Testament it also says in Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will, will do this. When we understand that Jesus is going to come back, it will impact the way we live because we will be more focused on God's eternal kingdom than non-Christians. We would want to be, we would want to obey Jesus because he is worth praising. We would want to be in God's favor and he rewards those loyal and faithful to him. This means showing love, joy, peace, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. We should, we should follow the Ten Commandments and obey Him and His Word. We would spend our time reading the Bible, worshipping God, and giving our money to the Lord. It also means we can prepare the way for, hit, 
prepare the way for him and speak ahead to tell the people about his arrival and his kingdom. At school, I'll be bold to tell my friends about God and his holy kingdom. The connection between shelters and Jesus, shelters and Jesus as King is that, life, that is, is that our life is not eternal here, but it will be eternal when Jesus rules over us. The season of shelters remembers when the Israelites moved around from place to place as a punishment for not thinking they could defeat the giants in the Promised Land. For forty years, they followed a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. And God provided food and water for them. Just like the Israelites who disobeyed God, we must keep going through the pain and suffering until Jesus returns. Second Corinthians five verse four says, "While we, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life." This means we are groaning and have a big weight on our back and we wish for Jesus to come back. We remember our our temporarily dwelling on earth and celebrate Jesus as king. I'm excited to think about when Jesus is king because at the moment there's pain, war and death. But when Jesus comes back, I'll always be safe with him. He'll never leave me. There'll be a lot of peace and there'll be no pain and suffering and I will never die. This is why I'm looking forward to when Jesus is king. Great job, Ezra. Yeah, the revelation of Jesus as king, it causes us to groan because the world is looking for some sort of utopia and we're looking at men and politicians to create it and they will fail again and again because we are all fallen, broken and sinful regardless of how wonderful an individual you might be. You are not Jesus. And so we groan for Jesus to come back, Jesus as king, because that is when we get that wonderful kingdom that everybody is groaning for. All right, Hannah. Now I've given, come up Hannah. I've given Hannah what I think is probably the trickiest one, which is bridegroom. She's she's got it, she's good, she's got it. It's my son groaning in empathy. Oh. But these three things have to come together. It's not one without the other, two, or two without the one. You must understand Jesus in this holistic thing, because this is how he's revealed himself. If you just have the king, you don't have the image of the just judge or the loving bridegroom. And you, you know you can change that around however you want. But Hannah's going to talk about this. You ready? You got it. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Hannah and I'm 11 years old. Today I will be sharing with you about Jesus as bridegroom. A bridegroom is the man marrying the bride, one of the two pieces of the puzzle that joins together. I once heard Mike Bickle in a teaching of his say something that really clarified the whole idea of Jesus' bridegroom for me. What really struck me with this particular line, God created us humans so that his son, Jesus, could have a bride, and therefore he would have a family. God created us in his image, something that no other species could tell you about themselves. We are special, made for the purpose of being God's family and Jesus' bride. 
Jesus desires for his bride, the church, to be beautiful and faultless. In Ephesians 5:25 to 27 it says, He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Human history starts with a bride and bridegroom living in paradise and without fault. Before they were deceived by Satan, Adam and Eve were perfect and sinless. This era of human history will then end at the day of judgment and then the marriage between the bride the bride and the lamb will finally happen. So this era of human history both begins and ends with the bride and bridegroom living in paradise, the Garden of Eden and then the New Jerusalem, faultless and perfect in God's eyes. At a traditional wedding, the bridegroom is excitedly anticipating the day when he shall see the bride again, beautifully dressed and ready to be wed. In the same way, Jesus eagerly awaits his marriage to his bride, the church. He anticipates the day when the bride and the lamb will become one, and he will get to see his bride, beautifully clothed, perfect and faultless. Jesus is described as a bridegroom many times in the Gospels, both by others and himself. One example is in Matthew 9.15, in which Jesus is talking to his disciples. It says, Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and they will fast. Again in John 3.29 it says, It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and his friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. John, as shown in this verse, was simply the Messiah's messenger. He prepared the way for Jesus' coming, prophesying and announcing his coming with joy. He was simply glad to stand by Jesus, watching his prophecies unfold, overjoyed at being chosen in such a mission as Jesus' own. Just as the bride knows that the bridegroom loves her and is waiting for her to be ready, so he will come and be united with her and marry her, and we as the church are in need of a revelation of Jesus as bridegroom. If we, as Jesus' bride, fully comprehended this reality, we would do everything within our power to get ready. Just as a bride is fully in love with her bridegroom, we should be with Jesus, loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. Just like an engaged woman who is planning a wedding, the wedding between the bride and groom should dominate our lives, our thoughts, emotions and decisions. Everything in our lives should prepare for the wedding between the church and Jesus, the bride and the lamb. Everything we do should be directed towards the wedding, because that is where the great promise is fulfilled, when the lamb and his bride become one. The festival of shelters celebrates the dwelling of God among men. Christ is coming to be with his bride, the church. Revelation 19 describes the wedding feast of the lamb, a small part of the wedding festivities and celebrations. Here Jesus and his bride will celebrate, as the many humans that make up the church from every nation, tribe and tongue across the planet will finally get to marry the bridegroom. Spread across the earth there are about 200 nations and approximately 12,000 people groups and tribes. There are also roughly 6,500 languages. 
So there will be a selection of people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue across planet Earth. This will be billions of believers forming one holy, blessed church. I know that one day when his bride is fully ready, Jesus will return and marry her. I'm excited for when he returns, coming for his holy, set-apart church with excitement and joy. I'm looking forward to the wedding, when Jesus and his bride will be unified in peace and harmony, living together in the new Jerusalem in paradise. So we must do everything we can to get ready. We must put all effort into living God-fearing, obedient lives and be faithful to him, offering ourselves as a sacrifice to the one who gave the supreme sacrifice. For we, as Jesus betrothed, must get prepared. For Jesus, our bridegroom and God's holy son, will not return for the marriage until his bride is fully ready. Well done, guys. There you go. Jesus, bridegroom, king and judge from the mouths of children. If they can wrap their heads around it, I'm sure the rest of us can as well. Uh, we're going to finish this morning in a few minutes, but we're going to be finishing with uh, a conversation with these young people. Um, you ready, kids? All right, here you go. <laughs> Thank you, son. <laughs> During the worship, um, had a had a father, grandfather moment, uh, watching with great joy and delight uh, my son, that's Nathan for those of you that don't know, uh, leading and my grandson uh, playing drums as uh, James. And it's, it just fills your heart with delight as you look on, look on them. Uh, but the moment for me was that uh, the whisper of God's voice in that moment when I was experiencing like, that's my boys, that's my grandson, that's my son. The moment for me was when the father whispered, how you feel right now is how I feel about every single one of them. Every single child is my child, my son, my daughter that belong to me. And it's like, wow, to live in that reality of the Father's joy and delight over us. So powerful. Uh, New Life is 25 years old this year. We, we just turned 25 last month. We're going to have a cake next Sunday, birthday cake next Sunday, uh, as part of our shelter's celebration. And uh, just f over that 25-year journey, and you look at the children... Uh, that are participating this morning uh, in everything uh, and not all of the children have participated on the stage and there's others sitting in the congregation. But 25 years ago, we began with four primary school children and, and you go, look how far God has brought us. Look what God has done, God's grace, what, God's, what God has done amongst us. Um, of those four, two of them are still with us, uh, being Nathan and Daniel Hollett. But they're with us by their own choice <laughs> as adults. Um, yeah. So uh, you go, look what the Lord has done. That's what I'm saying. Look what the Lord has done. And uh, 
others have, uh, others have grown up. So in us and amongst us, and some are still with us and some have uh, moved away and all those kind of things. And it's always great to reconnect and hear what God is doing in their lives and, and see what, what's happening over and over. So, but we are up here this morning to talk to you about a special part of our annual Shelters celebration, which is our harvest offering. And yeah. Julie, you're going to transition into that. Yeah, so just a quick um, a show of hands. Do you need a harvest offering booklet? If you do, just put your hand up because we've got some spares. Team, we've got some to um, bring if you need one. Just unless your you're taking up. it for the fourth yep, time. People, yep. <laughs> you can go some home and consult here. the ones you've got at home. Yeah. Uh, just keep your hand up. Don't just put it up and drop it down because they can't. They don't necessarily see it. Just keep your hand up if you would need one of these, so that you know what we're talking about. And just to let you it know, the booklet is also on the website. Site. So yep. if you lose the piece of paper, you can go to our website and uh, you find all the information there as well. So this is this is. I mean, it, it's one of our mm, most exciting. One of the high points of the year yeah, for us. Yeah, celebration. Um, and, of course, it follows on the back of the, fest- the biblical festivals, mm. uh, the, the celebration of the shelter season. Um, and there's always so much joy. In fact, you can feel the shift even this morning. It's mm. like there's, there's, there's an atmosphere of joy. It's, it's what the Lord gives, actually. There's the joy of the Lord. Mm. It's not because... People were feeling party happy or anything like that. It's just, it's a joy that the Lord brings. And that's why we love, just love this season. Mm. And we finished with our harvest Thanksgiving offering. And if you were reading um, this morning, uh, your your daily reading, there there's a couple of verses I just want to read out. It's from Leviticus 23, particularly verses 37 and 38. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies, and this is, this is in the section uh, about uh, shelters, the Festival of Tabernacles. Bring food offerings to the Lord, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings that you give to the Lord. Now, this is an agrarian um, society. So in case you're thinking, well, ah, that's okay, I'll just bring my little bunch of parsley I've got in the back growing. Um, it, that's, it means a lot more to them. They're an agricultural society, you know, culture. And so it's literally their harvest that they're bringing. And, um, and all of it is to be brought joyfully and in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath. And so we just want to say this is, this is how we arrived at our Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday. We've been doing it for a number of years now. Yeah. And um, where we are just thrilled and delighted to encourage you to bring over and above what you would normally bring. We don't talk a lot about offerings much at New Life. It just kind of happens. Um, but it is that doesn't mean it's not important. <laughs> and this is one of the Sundays where we get to say, the Lord is good, yeah. and that's why we have a Harvest Thanksgiving offering. Mm. And the challenge is out there to celebrate his goodness. Um, you know, and and to bring over and above. And so... It's also fitting that today we've we've seen some of the the sheaves of youth, the ri- rising up and um, 
because the harvest offering, as you'll see on the, the front page, is discipling the next generation, caring for the poor. If we can have um, that next screen there. But um, two things I want you to realize. As we go through this, there are designated areas that we're encouraging you to give to. And it's all laid out in the booklet. We'll come to that. However, if in your heart you're just like, well, I want to give, but I'm happy for the leaders to distribute it where the need is, you can also mark your offering as wherever the need is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to encourage you to bring um, the, the sheet in here, the, the little the little form, keep this page, hand page this page, seven. hand this page in, right? Six and seven. Fill that out because next Sunday, and this is our tradition, we count it mm. right when we're here. So let's say you've put it in online. Um, please bring the form anyway. Put it in um, the offering, uh, whatever we'll have to take the offering next Sunday because we want to count it all together and present a total at the end of the morning and our goal um, this year, Wayne's going to talk about that, but that's next Sunday, really important. It is. So harvest, which is the theme that comes through from the scriptures, it's, it's bringing harvest. And so we're using that word in two ways. One is that we're bringing harvest out of gratitude of what the Lord has given to us and entrusted to us, but it's also speaking of we're sowing this resource for a harvest as well. It's, it's both and. I'm bringing from my harvest and I'm inputting and giving it away to produce a harvest, particularly in the next generation, both here uh, through the ministries of New Life Church, Fremantle Christian College, and also internationally as well through the ministries that we support that is particularly engaging with discipling in the nations and raising them up. So that's where that's going to go. And also... Uh, it's also, as Julie said, it's caring for the poor locally amongst us through the work of our charity, Jubilee Welfare Fund. So the target of 106,000 is what we have set for this year. Okay. So the first category is local discipleship. Um, and that's uh, specifically, you'll see it in your booklet, for we're, we're looking for $66,000 in this category of local discipleship. Um, and it will provide income for our youth workers and we're looking at five part-time youth workers in 2023. Now these youth workers um, uh, are, are all about discipling the next generation so they come in and out of our, our college and do a variety of different things um, and lunch times and going into classrooms, one-on-one discipleship, small group discipleship, and they also um, connect uh, by being part of the youth team. Um, our youth team on a Friday night yeah. is, is a big team, um, and the youth workers all belong to that team and are looking to connect in uh, students in our school uh, and that's it's they do a fantastic work and Building it's a bridges very of relationship. yeah it's a very um speaking on behalf of the college it's it's a very important an important role it's supporting mm. um it it supports the staff but it's also creating bridges relational bridges and there are 
um, high school students whose lives are being impacted, particularly, it, there's, there's some in the, the primary as well, but their lives are being impacted for Christ and they're coming to youth group and they're hearing and they're being discipled. Also in this category, uh, with, with the total of $66,000, is an amount for music scholarships. And this is about discipling the next generation of worshippers. And we've been doing this since 2016 mm. where um, we're looking to see where those um, young ones are who are showing potential or showing interest as worshippers. And then we can sponsor them for maybe six months or even a year of tuition through the, the, the school um, music program, um, also supplemented externally. And we're looking to really just encourage that amongst the young ones. And so what you've seen up here this morning is not the, the whole sum or total of that, but it's certainly... These scholarships and the students that are learning, that's what we're seeing. So it's really just looking ahead and going, we want to raise up worshippers. We want to raise up children who have got that desire uh, to, to, to be trained because it takes discipline, mm. who are musical and who love Jesus to be worshippers. So that's a really important thing that we're doing. So this and is instrumental lessons? Instrumental and voice, and voice, voice lessons. lessons, yeah. Yes. Yeah, just going back to the early days um, when you were coaching Nathan. It's a 10-year-old boy and we, we purchased their first set of bongo drums for Nathan to join the worship team. <laughs> Yep. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's so good to have them involved. So good, yeah. Really good. Training from a young age, being involved, seeing they've got a place. So, mm. And what we've seen this morning, by the way, is, is normal for New Life Kids on a Thursday afternoon. Mm. The children being involved, leading the work. So what you experience this morning is what their normal is on a Thursday afternoon. Next thing we want to talk about is international discipleship. So this is uh, particularly funding, funding uh, people that are working in, in the Middle East amongst uh, Jewish people and Muslim people and just building up, discipling the next generation there in the Middle East. Uh, now, we work particularly in partnership with uh, the ministries that are on the screen. On the screen. So Catalytic Ministries uh, works primarily with... Uh, the underground church in Iran, Afghanistan, and other places like that. And um, so that's a very important, very strategic ministry uh, that is doing and seeing great fruit as they risk their lives on a daily basis mm. to share about Jesus in those contexts. Uh, How many of you were here when uh, Mansur and Padina came and visited us from Iran? So that they're the leaders of, back in 2017. of this ministry. Yeah. Yes. That's obviously so. not their real names, but yes. that's what they go by. That's yeah. what they go by. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, then uh, Joel's Trumpet is another one. Joel Richardson uh, is working primarily in equipping the church in understanding how to communicate Christ to Muslim background believers. And Joel's, been, Joel's visited us many times. And those of us at the Watchmen are very familiar with Joel's teaching. And I know many others of you are as well. Frontier Alliance International, that works up on... They're based up on the border, of, uh, up on the Golan Heights, which is you know, very close to the border of Syria. Israel. They're in Israel, but they're near the border of Syria and Lebanon. 
And uh, one of the things that they do, apart from the Bible teaching that we get on the app, but they're very much involved in, in relief ministry and disciple making in those really hard, unreached places, what we call, they call it frontier ministry, where there isn't, they go where there's no, the church does not exist uh, in those regions and beyond to bring about disciples. Then, of course, there's Barnabas Fund, uh, which is a relief ministry for the persecuted church. And so we get involved in helping people that are being persecuted because they're Christians all around the world and supported through the ministry of Barnabas Fund. And then there's uh, uh, Revive Israel. Sorry, I just definitely forgot. RITG.org. It stands for Revive Israel. So this is Messianic believers inside Israel that are declaring Jesus is the Messiah of Israel to Jewish people in the land. And uh, so that's a partnership with them. So that's where we've put our focus. And also we support the global uh, prayer and worship movement through the ministry of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So when you're giving into international, that's where that money is going to be distributed to support those organizations. And we're looking for 20000 20, um, for that. Yes. And the next one is um, our charity, um, uh, JWF, Jubilee Welfare Fund, a tax-deductible um, charity supporting people with... Um, well, people in necessitous circumstances, all mm-hmm. kinds of necessitous circumstances, financial crisis, ongoing needs, um, etc. And that, that helps people here within our community. It helps people further, extending into the school, and it helps people beyond that. Um, and this, mm-hmm. this past week we had um, our annual co-venture with um, QBE, uh, QBE and JWF, QBE via Simon Parnell, uh, get together and Simon p- supplies the manpower. There were seven QBE guys to, uh, this week and also with JWF, so, you know, so supporting financially. And there was a, um, they a young They provided the muscle, we provided muscle, the money. Money and muscle, that's and right. And food, and we provided food. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the food's very important. And uh, they've done a whole yard um, clean-up at a, a young a young mum with three little ones in Hamilton Hill. Mm. Amazing. Mm. Got there at, I was like, oh, I'll get there at 9.30. They'll probably just be, you know, warming up, finishing, setting up, really. And they'd just about done it all. <laughs> it was amazing. Two, two 10 cubic metre skip bins filled by the, by the end of that that morning and a very, very happy young mum who could never have tidied up this massive block, Holmes West House, by herself. So that's mm. the kinds of stuff that JWF does. Mm. Um, and also this year, just wanted to particularly highlight that um, some of um, the funding that we receive that comes through JWF is going to support um, Sudanese refugee families um, through our contact with Christine Warren, who ministers and has ministered to them for some years, um, and we are so delighted to be able to help her in financing some of the um, things that she needs to teach the children and uh, teach the women. Um, and these are all people who've flown, uh, sorry, who have fled <laughs> from mm. war-torn, war-torn regions yeah. in in Sudan, and it's just it's just just wonderful to be connecting with that and we've already begun 
to finance that ministry, which is very much local. And Christine's part of New York Church, uh, for those of you that don't know that reality. Yeah. So, so, his, so we're looking for $106,000 next Sunday. And you might think, well, I could just write one check. Well, that'd be fine. Uh, the rest of us will still kick in uh, as well. And we'll be oversupplied. We'll have an over and abundant harvest, which will be awesome and wonderful. With plenty more to do. And pl- because there's plenty more needs, as, as you know. Um, and it, but it's this thing of like we do this together and we bring out of the overflow of what we've received. This is not our regular tithes and offerings. This is the overflow that we bring uh, next Sunday mm. uh, to do that. So again, bring the page, fill the pages in. You can, one's for your record, one's for our record. Fill that in. And again, if you want to... Uh, if you give to Jubilee Welfare Fund, there's a, you will receive a deductible gift recipient receipt, which the tax department, you'll show to them and they'll refund you some of your tax you've paid. Uh, so if you want, you can designate that. But if you're happy, if you're willing to say, look, I'll just give a block sum, just put a bracket on your form uh, next to international and local discipleship and just put the amount there and just say, you distribute it. And we we will make distribute it and make sure all the needs get covered mm. on that on that basis. Mm. So it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. We will be, we will have a special part of the morning where we will invite everybody to bring their form and drop it in, and we'll have some really beautiful looking baskets or something here <laughs> up the front, or some attract. <laughs> anyway, we'll have something for you to put that in. And yeah. and we'll bring that, and that's part. And we and it's the one Sunday of the year where we do this, and that is again, it's an important part of saying, Lord, here we are, mm. here I am, God, mm. and I'm and I'm, we're we're doing this together uh, as a people, and we rejoice together at God's goodness and His faithful provision mm. for us and through us, and um, we we don't we do say a bit about money. Um, Julie was not quite accurate there. Uh, typically, I teach a four-week series on how to do money God's way each each year. Uh, so that's a regular part. That's become part of the culture of new life. Of we we know that we have to organise our money according to the way that God has said to do that, so that it serves His purposes. And one of the things that we always say, and we know from the scriptures, is if you are a God is looking for pipes. He's not looking for dams. He's not looking for people that are stockpiling. He's looking for pipes. If he can get it through you, he can get it to you. Someone said to me many years ago. Isn't that a good phrase, hey? If he can give it, if he can get it through you, in other words, if he can trust you to give it away, and the thing is. You, 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 don't, you don't say, oh, well, when I've got X amount of dollars, then I'll start giving. It's, no, I just begin to give. Just begin to be faithful, just to give, I give, I give, I give what the Lord has said. And he will reward and he will facilitate and I'll just be a pipe and I'll be faithful. And that's all you need to do next Sunday mm. is be that pipe and release what he has blessed us with and like I say it's always a great celebration and we'll celebrate together next Sunday so yeah and when we we've been doing this for a lot of years now and 
when we sit together and we talk about it and we pray about it and we're not thinking, Lord, how much can we afford? We're, yeah. we're often thinking, Lord, how much, how much more can we give this year than the previous year? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know because that's, mm. that's, I guess that's, um, that's our heart. Yes. Because when you do that, mm. it's like God can prove himself. Yeah. Right? God can prove himself. Hmm. He doesn't need our money, but when we foster generosity, yeah. he can prove himself. He hmm. can be faithful. Yes. And that's one of the things, that's and you know that we've said this over and over, that our history with God is one of his faithfulness. I grew up in a missionary home. We were just distributed X amount of dollars each quarter, depending on what came into the mission. It was overseas missionary fellowship. And we would sit, and sometimes it wasn't as much, and sometimes it was a little bit more. And we would, I just remember as a family, sitting and praying together and trusting God that there would be enough in that quarter for us. And that is a fantastic way to live. It really is. There's freedom. There's freedom in going above and beyond and saying, Father, yeah. I, know you, I know you. You're faithful. You're faithful. Yeah. You're trustworthy. Mm. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to next Sunday. Amen.